You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. everyone we are back here at grab them by the pod as always i'm kevin along with jesse and it never ceases to amaze we've always got something delicious to talk to you about coming out of washington so jesse what do you got for us this week well there's always something delicious coming out of washington there's always something last minute coming out of washington uh, just before we started to record this podcast uh things started trickling out that it looks like congress is going to agree to a 1.3 trillion dollar spending bill and trump's even going to agree to it as well uh, it needs to be passed by friday evening so that we can keep the government open we've been there before you know second verse same as the first uh we'll know more details probably tomorrow so we'll talk about it on the next podcast uh, assuming everything goes well although i'm guessing we'll probably cover it even if it doesn't go well. Yeah, second verse, more like <laughs> third or fifth yeah, or eighth, really, I don't know. Really. Well, the main thing we're going to start with is, of course, the firing of Andrew McCabe. Last Friday night, Jeff Sessions fired Andrew McCabe, who is the number two official at the FBI. And what makes it such a big deal is that McCabe was scheduled to retire on Sunday after more than 20 years in the FBI. He had already stepped down in January. He had been on a leave of absence since then. He was just waiting to, you know, for the clock to run out and he could retire. Uh, but Trump and Sessions wouldn't let that happen. He couldn't go quietly into the night. Yeah, nice move, Jeffrey. And for crying out loud, Trump, the guy was going to retire. You were getting what you wanted already anyway, so why didn't you just let him go? Sessions' explanation was that the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility and Office of Inspector General had found that McCabe made an unauthorized disclosure to the news media and, quote-unquote, lacked candor on multiple occasions. What actually happened, we don't know because the OIG report has not been released. Uh, to me, Kevin, and I think to most people who are looking at this without any kind of bias even, I think it looks to be personal and vindictive rather than just a run-of-the-mill firing. Yeah, lacking candor, I'm not sure I can buy that one, considering the person who's the president right now. And I just read something really quickly for this podcast, so I don't know the specifics, but that actually McCabe had been looking into sessions like a year ago on the same thing, lacking candor. So I don't know. So let's look at what happened. Uh, they literally waited to the last possible minute to fire him, which will deny him a large portion of his pension. I was able to after I think after 20 years or so, and you can retire when you're when you're 50 and get your pension. Uh, with what's happened, he may have to wait till he's like 57 uh, or 62, and which is a sizable chunk of money he won't be getting for the next decade or so and plus it's it's really just cruel i mean kevin do you hate anybody in this world that's ever worked with you for you that you would do that to i mean just just let it go be done with it yeah there's certainly people i've worked with that you know i, I wouldn't choose to be friends with outside <laughs> of the, uh, the office but to do that to them you know that's the man's livelihood he spent the previous 19 and three quarter years <laughs> working in that job uh, you know, it, it's not really right to do whether or not you agree with him politically. It, we need to be above politics here. And we're, we're talking about matters of national security and such that the FBI deals with. So, you know, come on now, have some decency. And how else do we know it's personal and vindictive? Well, the president has told us so. Uh, Trump has been talking about this for a long, long time. Uh, he said the, a couple, three, 90 days ago, we know, because he mentions it, uh, FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe is racing the clock to retire with full benefits 90 days ago, question mark, explanation point. Uh, he's also obsessed with McCabe's wife, who 
God forbid, had the audacity to run for office as a Democrat and accepted money from Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe, who is friendly with the, with the Clintons. Oh, my God, she ran for another party. and She's not working for the FBI. It's her husband. Uh, but, mm. you know, it's guilt through association. Obsessing over a female Democrat running for office? Completely out of character for yeah, the president. I, I've never heard anything about that before. What are you talking about? So after the firing, McCabe had a few things to say. And here, again, here's the ironic part, that if they had just let McCabe retire, he probably wouldn't have said anything. He would have just gone off into obscurity and enjoyed his retirement. But because it is to him, he's going to be talking and saying all the things the Trump people don't want you to hear. Um, he said that firing him was an attempt to undermine the mother probe. Uh, he told the New York Times that this was part of you know, an effort to discredit him as a witness. Uh, he qu- here's a quote from him. He said, here's the reality. I am being singled out and treated this way because of the role I played, the actions I took, and the events I witnessed in the aftermath of the firing of James Comey. And, yeah, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Sure does. Yeah, you know, you know. We know this president to be somebody who is vindictive and who has openly said that when somebody hits him, he comes back twice as hard. So, you know, it's out there. The writing's on the wall and it's open for the world to see. So I I can't imagine him trying to hide behind that. He's just confirming everything that we already knew. Uh, He he denies lying to the media. Um, He said it's no secret. We talked to people over several days, uh, including the director knew about this. Uh, Everybody was aware of the interaction. There was no leaking to anybody. He he accused Republicans of misquoting his testimony. Uh, No surprise he's not backing up Devin Nunes and and his ilk. Uh, Instead, backing the Democrats' version of his testimony. Uh, He confirmed, and this is... Trump's done a lot of bad things to Andrew McCabe. I think this is probably the worst. He confirmed that Trump asked him who he voted for and called his wife a loser, said he brought up his wife every time they spoke. Uh, it's just reprehensible to me that uh, you're anybody's boss, let alone the president of the United States, is calling your wife a loser because she lost an election and because she ran for a party and accepted gifts from people he does not like. Well, he's a classic low-blow artist. I mean, you go after somebody when you don't have anything real to hang over them, you go after petty things like this. And, and that's, you know, that's that's part of his repertoire. That's what the president does. When Michelle Obama said, you know, when they go low, we go high, she was talking about people like Donald Trump. And it's, it's pretty obvious. And a lot of people have criticized that actually saying Democrats need to go low because taking the high road, unfortunately, is, is not working. And uh, you can only have so many moral victories until, you know, enough's enough. <laughs> So a day before all this happened, Sarah Huckabee Sanders insisted the firing McCabe was up to Sessions. But come on, we all know that Trump is is really pulling the strings on that. She said that McCabe, uh, who, by the way, is a career uh, civil servant. You you mentioned he's been doing this for almost 20 years. Uh, She called him a bad actor. Uh, She can call him a bad actor, but she can't muster the courage or the sense to say anything like that about Putin. And when you're talking about somebody who's given his life to working for this country uh, and you're calling him a bad actor, yet someone is despicable as, as Vladimir Putin uh, is someone you don't want to discuss. It's That's just sad. That really says everything you need to know about this White House. Well, they can muster the language. They just choose not to. So, you know, I'm not so sure who the bad actor is here, McCabe or someone who's willing to lie on behalf of the president every day. 
I think we all know the answer to that, Kevin. <laughs> um, and Trump can't contain himself. I was laying in bed on Friday night, uh, and shortly after the fighting, I'm on Twitter. I'm looking through everything, trying to find all the updates, uh, get get some more news. And, of course, I have uh, Donald Trump's tweets as an alert so I can see all the ridiculous things he says as soon as he says them. And he tweeted out that Andrew McCabe was fired, that it was a great day for the hardworking men and women of the FBI, a great day for democracy. And he called J- James Comey sanctimonious. Uh, and uh, he just—he talks about lies, corruption. It's—it's it's just crazy. Again, Trump, just shut up! Like, I'm not telling him to shut up because you shouldn't talk. Like, shut up! It's in your best interest not to talk. When you tweet things like this, it's only going to give more fodder for Mueller's investigation. You know, sanctimonious—a ten-dollar word there. I wonder how long it took him to comb through the thesaurus to find something like that that he could use. There was a tweet he put out today uh, about the whole Putin thing. And I can't remember the word, but I looked at it. I go, there is literally no way on God's green earth that he wrote that text or that tweet. Because he, honestly, I didn't look up the, the word, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but I'm like, that does not, you can you can tell when it's in Trump's voice and when it's not, because he has a certain uh, vocabulary. He has a certain um, cadence to his typing. So I don't know who they're trying to, trying to fool when he has these, can I call them fake tweets? I think we'll call them fake tweets. Perhaps. We might be starting something new here, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he kept going on and going against uh, McCabe, uh, calling out Crooked H, Terry McAuliffe, more about Comey. Um, it's it just really bizarre, especially with the timing. Um, and then Trump again is saying, anytime anybody gets in any kind of trouble, Trump barely knew them. You know, he's a coffee boy. He, he barely spoke to him. He's now saying he barely spent any time with McCabe, uh, bec- and he barely knows... Uh, who he is, yada, yada, yada. But McCabe is smart. Just like Comey, he wrote down memos about every meeting he had with Trump. Uh, so those are going to be interesting, I think, uh, to see what he had to say. I mean, Comey's were. Yeah, I know. It certainly will make for uh, some good uh, TV or, or, or media coverage to read about this and to see what was actually said and what was covered in these notes. I, for one, look forward to hearing them. So, you know, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. And if I was James Comey, I'd be sending a thank you tweet right now to Donald Trump. Uh, After all this went down, uh, he tweeted out saying, Mr. President, the American people will hear my story very soon, and they can judge for themselves who is honorable and who is not. So with Trump's help, you know, unintentional help, but help nonetheless, uh, Comey's book, which is A Higher Loyalty, Lies, Truth, and Leadership, which is going to be released on April 17th, is already a bestseller on Amazon due to pre-orders. It's just like the Fire and Fury thing. If they just shut up and let it go, the... The books wouldn't be that big, but they give them uh, they give them a pedestal to step on and and shout to the mountaintops, and they sell lots and lots and lots. James Comey, our homie, he's our homie. I, I gotta get in t- I gotta you know you lose a couple lbs, get back in that shirt. I have a Hulk homie is my homie shirt. It's a little tight right now. It's a little tight. Tighter. Uh, but, you know, so, so it may be spring, but there's still snow on the ground. So maybe for summer, I'll get back into that. We'll see. Uh, one of my favorite things coming out of this though was. Uh, at least four, there may have been more members of Congress, have offered to hire McCabe you know, on a short-term basis, give him the time he needs to reach his pension and then let it go. And if that actually would would work, that would be the best FU to the administration and to Trump and to Jeff Sessions and give uh, someone who you, and you may disagree with politically on some things, but he's earned that pension and give him what he deserves. Well, with all of this that's gone on in the last week, it, it might have you wondering – what is the take of the FBI on this? 
And according to an interview with NBC News correspondent Pete Williams, the current FBI director, director Christopher Wray, says that he's committed to doing things objectively and independently and by the book. And he pledges to follow the objective process in all personnel decisions and to following the process in all intelligence investigations as well. However, it also alludes to the, the idea that McCabe's firing was not politically motivated. I don't know if I buy that part, but, <laughs> you know, hopefully – uh, Mr. Ray and all the, the good folks over there running the FBI really will uh, stay uh, by the book and to perform all these investigations and everything they need to do the right way without political bias. So you want Ray to do things the right way is what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, the second he does anything that Trump doesn't like, he'll try to fire him, call him a scumbag, even though you know, he was his appointment. It's that's how things are going in the Trump White House. Worse yet, he'll say Obama appointed him. Yeah, yeah, and people will believe it because that's just how things are working right now. Uh, so in the middle of all this nonsense, Trump has also been giving off the vibe that he might fire Robert Mueller at any given time. Uh, and if he did fire Mueller or even uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, uh, Democrats right now are arguing that it may create a constitutional crisis. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, Democrats wrote to Donald Trump and said, we write to inform you that we would consider such an unwarranted action as the attempt to obstruct justice in the Russian investigation, firing Rod Rosenstein, Department of Justice leadership, or Bob Mueller. And I like how they call them Bob Mueller. Very, very laid back for a memo to the president. Um, could result in a constitutional crisis of the kind not seen since the Saturday night massacre. Uh, that was uh, Nixon and so forth. Republican Senator Jeff Flake tweeted out, don't create a constitutional crisis. Congress cannot preempt such a firing. Our only constitutional remedy is after the fact through impeachment. No one wants that outcome, Mr. President. Please don't go there. What do you make well, of that, Kevin? And we know how that Saturday Night Massacre ended for President Nixon. And coincidentally, <laughs> former Nixon counsel John Dean, convicted in the Watergate scandal, called this week Donald, uh, Donald Trump Nixon on steroids and stilts in several news outlets. And additionally, he said that Trump has already exceeded everything Nixon did. This from a man who was actually caught up in and convicted in, for his role in the Watergate scandal, speaking to what's going on now, saying that the current president has done worse than what President Nixon did. And, and we know what the outcome and the consequences were for that. I mean, he's quite literally been there, done that. So he knows what he's talking about. I, I would listen to somebody who actually lived this firsthand. So what started all this? We talked about the tweets. Uh, it's always the tweets. Uh, Trump sent out tweets that said uh, the mother probe should never have been started in the first place. There's no collusion. There's no crime. It was all based on fraudulent activities, crooked Hillary, so on and so forth. It's a witch hunt. Uh, you know, why does the mother team have 13 hardened Democrats, some big crooked Hillary supporters and zero Republicans? Another demand uh, recently added doesn't. Anyone think it's fair? No collusion, yada, yada, yada. And then he started tweeting out a whole bunch of tweets this morning, uh, quoting uh, Alan Dershowitz, who was probably on Fox News, uh, and he misspelled council. He spelled, you know, like I, I ran for town council earlier. That's not how you spell council when it comes to uh, to a lawyer. He uh, didn't know how to spell weather, and then he repeated the, the, the twice. <sighs> yeah. I, I'm still caught up on the other tweet, you know, hardened Democrats. Man, he loves that word, hardened. Huh? Whether he's talking about guns and safety or whether he's talking about Democrats, hardened? Well, I, I think we'll talk about this in a few minutes. I think maybe if you watch 60 Minutes this weekend, we'll hear some more stories about Trump and hardened. 
Uh, or not. Maybe flash. Yeah. We'll have to find out. Um, <laughs> um, Trump's lawyer also, John Dowd, publicly said the DOH uh, in this investigation. He, you know, he prayed that attorney, acting attorney general uh, Rod Rosenstein should end this. It, it's They're going out of their way to tell folks that this is a sham, that mothers should be gone, it should be ended. And it doesn't matter whether it's truth, truthful or not. Uh, they've said it, and that makes it truthful to the people who just live on their every word. Uh, and that's just that's dangerous for us as a country when uh, it doesn't matter. We, 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 this has been a problem for a long time. The facts no longer matter, but uh, this is uh, this is something that's really important, and facts should matter specifically and definitely in this case. Yeah, the post-fact America shall not stand, man. Yeah, yeah, this aggression will not stand, man. So, what is a constitutional crisis? So. I tried to find the best way to explain this to our listeners. I went to a bunch of sites, and of course, the best that I could find was on 538, and they, they found four kinds uh, they wanted to list. There's uh, the first, the Constitution doesn't say what to do. Second, the Constitution meaning is, is in question. Uh, three, the Constitution tells us what to do, but it's not politically feasible. And then our current scenario, institutions fail themselves. Uh, the Constitution is, you know, has a system of checks and balances that are put into place so that one branch of the government really can't be all-powerful. It, it protects each other against us all against tyranny. Um, but due to partisan politics, these checks and balances sometimes fail, uh, sending the government into a total crisis. And as you alluded to earlier, Kevin, uh, you know, Nixon's firing on the Saturday Night Massacre was you know, what they last called well, – they've been up a couple of things since then. That's the last real constitutional crisis, and it ended very, very poorly for Nixon. I believe it was like a, a, almost to a day, a year after uh, the Saturday Night Massacre, he was out of office. So uh, Trump, you know, really should look to history and see uh, if he fires Mueller, it's probably not going to end well for him. Well, that fourth definition you gave for a constitutional crisis certainly sounds about right for our current situation, but. You know, remember, with Watergate, even the president's party, the Republicans, turned against him after the firing of the special prosecutor in Saturday Night Massacre. You know, will today's Republicans stand up and do the same thing? We've seen a few. We've seen McCain. We've seen Flake. We've seen Lindsey Graham at times. We've seen some of them stand up. But I don't know if that's enough. We, we've also seen Speaker of the House Paul Ryan kind of kowtow to the president. So who's going to be the courageous one to stand up and then get the ball rolling to do something that would matter here. It's really going to come down to constituents. Uh, if they can put pressure on their on their elected officials, then they'll start turning. But if people in really, really deep red districts just don't care about this stuff, unfortunately, these, these guys aren't going to do anything. And it really is just sad because I understand partisan politics exists. Uh, I understand that you sometimes have to stay with and defend uh, your president or your leader, even if you don't like them, because that's just how the game is played. Um, but if you were to fire Mueller, uh, as as I think Lindsey Graham said, that, that should be the beginning of the end of his presidency. To me, that should be the point of no return. Uh, and it remains to be seen if it will be. Um, I, I, I really hope we get to that point, because I think uh, Trump is really, really bad for this country right now. Um, someone asked me recently, yeah, you were actually there with me when we had this conversation. What has Trump done that's so bad to this country? What can we name? So bad? What he's done is just hurt us in our standing in the world. I mean, I know people from other countries, from England, from Brazil, from Sweden, and they look at us and go, God, what is going on in that country? And I, for the first time in my life, to say, you know, I'm with you. I don't know. Well, Republicans in Congress 
should pay attention to the fact that this president is not really with you. He may carry the same letter after his name, you know, political party wise, but he's shown time and again now where he's kind of stepped out of the box and he's not really in agreement with many of the Republican ideals. You know, the stuff over gun control, he flip flops back and forth. He's not really on your side. So what are you really defending if you are standing up for the president instead of standing up to him? He's not really going to come down on your side in the end. He does what suits himself. So really, nobody wins here if nobody does anything in Congress to mitigate the damage that the president is already has done and, and will continue to do. Yeah, Republicans really need to get their act together in that regard. And I'm saying that not as a partisan hack, but I really believe I mean, in Illinois earlier this week, a guy running for the Republican primary unopposed, he's basically a Nazi. He's proud of it. He's a white supremacist. He denies the denies that the Holocaust happened. He won, and he's not going to win the, you know, the general election. But still, he is the Republican nominee in the general election in November uh, for that district, and he's literally a white supremacist Nazi. Uh, people have to stand up, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's people in the country, and say – I don't want that to be part of my party. We have you know, conservative ideals. Uh, we're for small government, you know, whatever. We're for stronger immigration. But we can't have these moral degenerates running in the party. Uh, that's not what the Republican Party you know, I grew up knowing about stood for. I mean, you know, it's politics. There's always some moral degenerates in it. But you know what I'm trying to say is that uh, it, Trump it shouldn't matter that he's the de facto leader of the party. Uh, if he becomes toxic and bad for the brand, which I believe he has, it's time to kick, get rid of him. Um, I don't particularly like Mike Pence. But he would run the country as a, you know, a generic hardcore Republican, which would be better, in my opinion, for the Republican brand. Stability at the very least. But, you know, as we've seen over the last year plus now, the president's rhetoric and actions have legitimized this type of behavior. And now we're seeing it spread, right? An Illinois congressional candidate is going to be the legitimate Republican candidate. And regardless <laughs> of whether or not he has a chance of winning, he's been legitimized. And there is something inherently wrong there that we allow somebody with such extreme beliefs, not based in fact, to, to run uh, is ridiculous and it's disturbing. It's disturbing to say the least. Some of the things people think they can get away with if they're going to be unopposed or or no one's going to push them or call them anything. So um, for, for the Republican Party to really come back from this, I think they have to start calling those kinds of things out. Um, as I've said, I was a Republican, a registered Republican for 17 years, and uh, it became so toxic, which is why I left the party. So I, I, I think that if they want to get moderate people back, uh, they're going to have to make some changes. I, I, I think it's probably a lost cause for me. But, you know, there are people out there who may forgive and forget. We'll see. But I was going to ask. Are you going to go back if they do? But No, I, I think it's too late for that. <laughs> I've, in, I've invested. I've, I've gone all in on Democrats now. So. You've come. You've seen the light. You've come to the light. We sometimes thought it would never happen, but never say never. So, uh, so Trump made a, a further faux pas this week. Uh, by congratulating Vladimir Putin on re-election, uh, it's really no surprise that Putin won again. Uh, it was there were reports of corruption everywhere. Uh, you know, that's the norm when it comes to Putin. Uh, people either run against him and they disappear, or they come down with radiation poisoning, uh, or they're jailed, or, or something always seems to come up, uh, and Putin is re-elected. And you know, no surprise this time. Yeah, and, and more importantly, the national. Security intelligence uh, advisors 
told the president in all capital letters <laughs> in a briefing, do not congratulate, you know, charts, graphs, and the whole bit at his reading level. And yet, could he follow those simple instructions? Absolutely not. No, he can call people like Andrew McCabe a bad actor, uh, but, you know, he, he has to say nice things to put in. He tweeted out stuff today, middle of the day, that, oh, it's bad to say, you know, congratulations to Putin. They've helped us with Syria and Iran and ISIS and yada, yada, yada. And then he used a couple of big words that I know he didn't know the answer to. Uh, and the fact that he goes all out with this Putin stuff is just ridiculous, especially, you know, people want to point out that Obama congratulated Putin in the past for elections as well. But that was a different time. That was pre-Russia screwing with our election. Uh, if if anything, Trump should be smart enough to know this is bad for his brand. You know, it looks bad that he's under investigation for Russia, and now he's bending down and kissing Putin's butt. But uh, no, didn't didn't matter to him. Trump does Trump, as I said before. <laughs> yeah, Trump's going to do what Trump's going to do. Uh, he also ignored that AIDS, uh, they instructed him, just condemn Putin over the poisoning of the former spy and his daughter in the UK. Uh, this has been a thing going on for a couple weeks now. And, of course, Putin refused to bring it up to him. And, again, his response is, you know, why would I, why would I criticize him? We want to have good relationships with Russia. Good relationship with Russia is good for everybody. Um, but sometimes... Sometimes doing the right thing is more important than the, than the bottom line. And that's, I think, as a businessman, he's never learned that because he's all about the money. But sometimes you got to stand up to the bullies and tell them that uh, wrong is wrong. No, he, because Putin said he didn't do it. We have to believe him. No, no. And John McCain slammed Trump. Uh, he said that uh, an American president does not lead the free world by congratulating dictators on winning elections. Of course, Sarah could be winning Sanders. sham elections. Yeah, winning sham elections. By the way, speaking of the Russian elections, I read a really good article this last week. I don't know if it was New York Times uh, or where it was, but it really went into the youth in Russia and voting. And it turns out they don't care about politics at all. You want to bring up Putin or anything? They're like, whatever. Uh, my living situation is better than my parents' was. That's all that that's important. I don't know anything about elections. I'll vote for Putin. That's a, a classic example of why Putin is able to hold power as long as he has now. You have a generation whose parents lived under the the communist regime and had nothing. Now they've got something and they're completely disaffected, disassociated, don't care. And so they just vote to keep this guy in power because they don't know any better. He's, you know, sitting on his throne, twiddling his thumbs, laughing, uh, taking it all the way to the bank. Yeah, I understand to a certain degree, too. I mean, their parents... Uh, they lived through the fall of communism and whatever fell out directly after uh, the everything came down and the USR fell and things were not good there. So I can see them hearing stories about their parents. Not you know, you, you, they talk about no one's coming in and taking our bread, which is you know very specific. That's things they probably their parents probably had to deal with. So I understand it, but their ignorance and their you know, willingness to just go along with whatever Putin does if it benefits them in the moment, it, it, it's not very forward thinking, and it's just letting Putin get away with whatever, whatever he wants because uh, they're just very ignorant on how things are working. And I know it's a big place and they have lots of issues to, to deal with, but. Uh, you know, as as they said in the song, uh, I I believe the children are the future, or, or we are the world. Pick your song, uh, but they have to look to the future. Well, it seems that those Putin supporters uh, could get along quite well with uh, some of the hardline Trump supporters here in the states. Really, really, you know, uh, dear leaders, all that matters. 
Uh, Sarah B. Sanders defended Trump's comments, and he said, you know, the U.S. doesn't get it, uh, doesn't get to dictate how other countries operate uh, their elections, which is somewhat hypocritical. Because back in August, she wrote that since the start of his administration, President Trump has asked that Maduro respect Venezuela's constitution, hold free and fair elections, release political prisoners, cease all human rights violations, and stop oppressing Venezuela's great people. And then if you just swapped in Putin and Russia into those. You could send that right over to Vladimir Putin right now, uh, but uh, they don't want to do it when it comes to Russia, but they have no problem with criticizing Venezuela. Well, Jeff Flake uh, likened it to him placing a call to Fidel Castro, and so you've got the McCain and Flake combo, Arizona for the win here. <laughs> Both of whom, unfortunately, will not be around probably in, the, in those seats much longer. I, I never thought I'd you know, yearn for the days of Jeff Flake, but... Uh, you know, he said he, he couldn't be reelected in this current climate as a Republican, and he just doesn't want to deal with this nonsense. And as a result, he's speaking his mind. Yeah, and true to form, too, for the administration, according to NBC News, Chief of Staff John Kelly is frustrated and deeply disappointed with the leak of briefing notes for the call, not on the president's actions. Yeah, it's it's. It's not what happened. It's that someone found out it happened. I guess if we just watch and see who's going to get fired next, we'll figure out who the leak was. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think it was McMaster. It wasn't Stephen Miller. So who the hell knows? Well, we'll, have to, we'll find out. Uh, well, by the way, before – speaking of McMaster and Kelly, I have to tell you, Kevin, this is totally unrelated to Russia, but I just have to bring it up before I forget. You have to start watching this show on, on Showtime called Our Cartoon President. It's uh, produced by Stephen Colbert, and I just binged on it all over the weekend. And it's a cartoon. It's about Trump in the White House, and all of the cartoons are both like a caricature, yet look exactly like them. It's it's amazing the little details they get, and the voices are fantastic. And even down to the Betsy DeVos's in the show, uh, McMaster's in the show, uh, Stephen, it's it's fantastic. Uh, anybody who likes this podcast, I think, would like that show. Where do I find it again now? It's on Showtime. Okay. So just uh, tell your wife she's not watch- when she's not watching Shameless, you can watch that. Uh, I guarantee one episode and you'll be in. Sounds good. I thought I was living my cartoon president in real life, and apparently I am. Oh yeah, it's uh, sometimes it's hard it's hard to tell the difference between uh, fact and fiction when it comes to some of the stuff. So uh, the last thing I want to bring up, Kevin, we alluded to earlier was uh, Stormy Daniels on 60 Minutes. CBS News has reported the recently taped interview uh, with adult film star Stormy Daniels will air on 60 Minutes on March 25th. Um, And by the way, a side note, also uh, the last episode had some of the kids from Stoneman Douglas on 60 Minutes, and it was really powerful. It had me crying. Uh, 60 Minutes, I think, generally kicks it out of the park more often than it doesn't. Yeah, again, the change is coming. Yeah. Hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> All right. So a lot of people want to know, why didn't it air last Sunday? Like, get it out as soon as possible before something happens and they can't air it. Uh, although I've heard people say that their delay may mean that they're actually going out of their way to fact check it, which means there may be some good stuff they're going to learn in there, and they want to make sure they get it right. Uh, although CBS has announced that the Trump organization or the White House, uh, neither has uh, tried to stop it from airing. So, uh, you know, I, I guess we're going to have to just wait another week and see if it actually airs. Yeah, it should make for some good television. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm going to be sitting there waiting. Is it 7 o'clock? I mean, I, I never want it to be Sunday night because you got to go to work the next day. I'm actually going to be looking forward to Sunday night uh, for the first time in a long time. So uh, we'll see. And, and uh, Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, I mean, that guy is definitely a character, but he seems very sharp. He seems like a good lawyer, and he's not afraid of any of the Trump's lawyers or even Trump himself. And I think that's really part of the story, too, that uh, maybe – we we laugh because she's a stripper, she's an adult film star, uh, but I think she got herself a good lawyer. Uh, and just go on, he went on a media offensive last week. Just go on YouTube, you can find a million clips about him talking uh, about everything that's going on right now. And uh, yeah, Stormy Daniels was uh, fearful for uh, I don't know for life, but just fearful for uh, people coming after her for what she had to say with the president. <laughs> Again, I, the president, porn star, in the same sense. I just. The things that you could never fathom, this is my cartoon president. The president is suing a porn star who said she slept with him. And this is the fourth story we're talking about today. That, that's insane. If this was two or three, you know, if Barack Obama, this was happening with him, holy crap. This would be like, stop the presses, uh, stop the, the federal government can't function anymore because the president slept with a prostitute. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, another day at the office for the Trump administration. <laughs> um, I actually, and I got into a fight with my cousin. I don't talk to this cousin very often. Um, he's, I, I believe he's probably relatively concerned. He's very religious. Um but, but but the point is, he said that you know Stormy Daniels is not to be taken seriously because her name is even Stormy Daniels. She uses a fake name, so why would I believe anything she says? Uh, I, yeah, I had to point uh, out like I, I said, we well, you know what I think Michael Michael Keaton's a scumbag too. I mean like his movies, but his real name is Michael Douglas. So why should I believe anything he said? That big fat liar. Yeah, Mark Twain, Doctor yeah. Seuss, Voltaire, yeah. and even the conservative favorite Ayn Rand. You know, none of them are credible, huh? No, no, none of them. And uh, he didn't seem to care about my arguments, so I just kind of ended it because I, I'm at the point where if, I love to argue. But if I see this is going nowhere, I'm not going to just keep arguing in circles. Let's end it. And by the way, uh, Stormy Daniels' real name is Stephanie Clifford. And I would go on a, a limb and say that Stormy Daniels is a better adult film star name than Stephanie Clifford. Not that there's anything wrong with that name. Um, you know, that's that's her when there's no makeup on, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Well, interesting. I read an article today at CBS News actually confirmed that Stormy Daniels took a polygraph test about this back in 2011, and it found that she was truthful when she said she had unprotected sex with the president. And uh, I just shudder when I hear unprotected sex with Trump. Revolting. <laughs> really? I mean, he. This is not political at all. He's just not a very. I mean, if you like orange men, I mean, I guess maybe that's a thing, but uh, not me. So uh, Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, is now suing Daniels for $20 million in damages, claiming she violated the non-disclosure agreement like 10, 20 times. Uh, it's ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. Uh, you know, who thinks Trump's lawyer would pay her off without Trump's knowledge? No one's buying that. This whole thing is is ridiculous. They're suing her now. He didn't sign the non-disclosure agreement. Trump didn't. So I don't understand what they're hoping to accomplish here other than making this a bigger story than it already was. Well, we'll just have to wait and see after next Sunday's episode of 60 Minutes. Just a few more days and it'll be here. I can't wait. It'll be appointment viewing for me. That is certain. All right, Kevin, what do we have for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, as I have said and will continue to say, I support common sense gun control. 
Even more so, I wholeheartedly support the courage and conviction of the young people of Stoneman Douglas High School and other schools and communities across the nation as they build and lead a movement to push towards a safer country with reasonable laws on guns. I enthusiastically look forward to the March for Our Lives this Saturday, as I believe the show of solidarity and force led by our youth who are tired of being let down by the adults in control of our society will be awe-inspiring. America is worth fighting for, and knowing that the generations behind us are capable provides hope, even in the darkest situations. On a side note, the President of the United States recently congratulated Vladimir Putin on his re-election to the Russian presidency, despite claims of a fraudulent election against the wishes of American national security advisors. Collusion aside, this act is hard to reconcile, considering the President's prior statements regarding patriotism. It is difficult to legitimize a president who demands athletes and activists stand for a national anthem that is merely a song while he goes out of his way to prove his allegiance to another nation through action and deed. I would hazard a guess as to which is more of a threat to democracy. I long for the day for there no longer to be a need for Kevin's Corner because everything is wonderful. But until that moment comes, I'm glad we have here to keep us on the straight and narrow and informed. I try. <laughs> I, I do my best. All right. Until the next episode, please go to our website at grabthembythepod.com. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. Just do all that fun stuff because the more grab you can get in your life, the better. At least that's how I look at things. All right, Kevin. Until the next episode, as always, it's been fun. Later. Later.